Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8 once again. We'll be completing these two verses tonight and then uh, move on for next week. But Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. And again, let's pray and ask our Lord's blessing on the reading of the word here tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you, Lord God, and we praise you. And we want to, Lord God, uh, ask for your blessing on the reading of your word. Father, we are have already been blessed by the worship and the praise and the fellowship, one with another. And we pray right now, God, that you would bless this part of the service. Again, I ask you to help me, Father, to speak your word with clarity, with understanding, with meaning, with passion, Lord God, with sincerity of heart. We pray, Lord God, that you will help our hearts to receive your word here tonight, Lord, that you would be glorified and that your church would be strengthened. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Very good. Okay, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and verse 8. The Bible says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Okay, last week we spoke about Two really important words that are found in this section of scripture, the word sowing and the word reaping, okay? Again, many of us are not familiar with these terms because we're not farmers. We're not out there growing a bunch of plants or trees or anything. But these are very, very important words. And uh, we spoke about man's ability to plant spiritual seed, spiritual seed. Whatever type of seed we plant will determine what type of fruit we will Produce. If we plant seeds that appeal to our sinful nature, we will reap fruit that is destructive to us and to those that we love. If we plant seeds that appeal to our love and dedication and faithfulness and desire to please honor and obey our God, we will reap fruit that is beneficial and a blessing to our lives and to those that we love. Right now, just by you guys being in church, what you're doing is you are planting good seed into your soul right now into the spiritual kingdom those are of you that are watching online right now you are taking this time sacrificing this time god's going to honor this time that you're giving to tune in and to be a part of the service you are planting good seed and the bible promises that out of that good seed you will see blessings and good results or or, or good fruit from that from that seed that you're planting right now now before we came to christ this is really important before we came to Christ, before we were born again and children of God, we were not able to produce good fruit. You and I who are born on this earth and before we come to the Lord, anyone that's out there living in the world right now without a relationship with Christ cannot bear any good fruit. Even in our best efforts to please God with good works, they were futile. It was impossible for us to bear fruit without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Can you say amen? Okay. Listen to what it says. Just a reminder in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says this. But we are all like an unclean thing. 
and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Let me read it out of the NIV version. Same scripture. It says, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us Away. In other words, the Bible is reminding us that before we were Christians, even if we thought that we were good, even if we thought that we were righteous, even if we thought that we were uh, doing the right thing, because we were not connected to Christ in our best efforts, even the best that we had to offer was like filthy rags in terms of fruit. And I wanted to just show you uh, this picture really quick, okay? This is all we could were able to produce at best is rotten, unedible fruit. Fruit that would make you sick. Fruit that would cause food poisoning. With our best efforts, without Jesus in our life, this is the best that we could offer a holy God. You guys following me so far? Can you say amen? Okay. You can go ahead and take that picture off. But when we became Christians, how many of you can shout hallelujah for that day that you met Jesus? However it is that that happened, whatever your testimony, whatever your story, whatever your miracle, thank God for that day. Because on that day, when you came to Christ, when you connected to a life-giving force, which is Jesus Christ, he infused into you and he infused into me the ability to bear good fruit because he put in us through the power of the Holy Spirit good seed, good seed that would be acceptable to God, that would be able to produce fruit that was pleasing to God. Before Christ, nothing we did could please God. We were on our way to hellfire. But now that we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you and I the ability to produce good fruit through the good seed that has been planted in us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Seed that gives us the ability to bring life. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. You can read the whole chapter, okay? But it says this in John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. And this is Jesus, our Lord, speaking. And he says this to us. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Thank God for that day that you got plugged into Jesus. Because when you got plugged into Jesus, he got plugged into you and he poured into you his seed. Seed that brings life, eternal life, and good works that are pleasing to the Lord. So now as Christians, now as the people of God, we have the ability to produce bad fruit because see, that sinful nature is still in us. Jerry, Pastor Jerry, he can still be a very bad and nasty boy if he allows himself to. Because I got a lot of my sinful nature is still in me. Okay? Now, the only thing that keeps Pastor Jerry under control is the fear of God, the knowledge of God, the, my relationship with God, and my love for God. That's the only thing that keeps me in check. 
Because if it wasn't for God, I would be out of control. And for sure, I would not be here right now in front of you. So the only thing that keeps me in check is the anointing and the spirit and the power of God that's in me now. That wasn't there before. And with that, I have the ability now to make a decision. Am I going to produce bad fruit by allowing my, the seed of my sinful nature to, to have its will? Or am I going to produce good fruit by submitting myself to the Holy Spirit and the seed that he puts in me? That's why the Bible defines for us the two types of fruit that all of us are capable of producing now that we are in Christ. Remember, before Christ, all we could produce was bad fruit, rotten fruit, good fruit that was nothing but poison and, 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 and that would make you sick, unacceptable to God. But now we have the, the choice, and it says here in Galatians 5, 19 through 24, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. In other words, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is only a partial list of the seeds that are in us that could produce bad fruit and then it says this of which i tell you beforehand just as i also told you in time past that those who practice such things practice is a very important word that means that it's an ongoing thing in your life each and every one of us from time to time we blow it but if we repent right away we're not practicing that sin anymore as soon as we stop and as soon as we repent but if you keep going that means you're practicing it you're in danger don't put yourself in danger, okay? It says this, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, now because of Christ in us and us plugged into Christ, it says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. When you and I choose to do what is right because of Christ, for Christ's sake, we're planting good seed, and God says, you're going to reap a blessing from that. If you plant bad seed, you're going to reap a curse from that. If you, reap, if you, produce, if you sow bad, good seed, you're going to reap blessings from that. That's what the Bible is teaching us here. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we learn that when we as children of God get ourselves involved with sin, there are two ways in which God usually deals with us to bring correction in our lives. The first, we talked about it last week, is described in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. New King James Version says this, or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Would you agree that God is good to us, church? Every day, God is good. Even if you had a bad day, God is still good because you made it through that day. But let me read it again. It says this. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. And again, I want to repeat that same verse in the New Living Translation. It says this, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? In other words, 
If we are in sin or practicing sin, there are times when God will choose to be very patient with us, waiting to see if we will repent on our own, waiting to see if we will bring self-correction or self-discipline or uh, allow the Holy Spirit to, to convict us and allow us to submit to that conviction and ask God to forgive us. So God will give us time to put ourselves in check and correct it ourselves. Are you guys following me so far? That's what he says. And we should do it because we realize how good God is. Waiting to see if we will humble ourselves and realize that God has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Realizing that God has chosen to have mercy and grace on us instead of pouring out his wrath on us. We need to really let this sink into our spiritual man. We need to see that God is giving us some deep insight into his character and into his heart and into the way he does things. He doesn't do things the way you do them or the way I do them. If somebody makes me mad, I want to lash out right away and take care of business, but God doesn't do that. He waits. If we're smart, we will humble ourselves before our God and say, Thank you, God. Thank you for choosing not to publicly humiliate me, for choosing to spare my life, for choosing to help me keep my job and my family and my marriage and my material possessions. I should be stripped of all these things and thrown, in th thrown to the curb like a piece of garbage. But instead, you continue to be there for me. You continue to be good to me. I don't deserve it. And that should drive us to our knees, church. That we know in our hearts that we're messing up, that we are in rebellion, that we are not walking right with God. And yet God still chooses to love us and have mercy on us and not strip us. Psalm 103 verses 8 through 10 says this. Listen to this. The Lord is merciful and gracious. And then it says this. Slow to Anger. Everyone say those words. Slow to anger. I want you to say it one more time. I want this to sink in. Slow to anger. I don't know about you. I am so glad that my God is slow to anger with me. My God, I thank him so much. When I mess up, he is slow to anger. That means he's going to be patient and wait it out to see if Pastor Jerry's going to get his act together. When he has a right to just take me out right then and there. Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. And then verse 10 says this. This is a powerful verse right here. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. It is God's desire that we will recognize and appreciate his abounding mercy toward us in that he has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not punished us according to our sins or wrongs or rebellion. Listen, don't misinterpret the grace and the mercy and the slowness of anger of our God. If you know that you're doing wrong, just because the whole world doesn't fall apart or the whole world doesn't cave in on you doesn't mean that God isn't paying attention or that he doesn't care or that you are getting away with it. You're not getting away with anything. I'm not getting away with anything. He's just slow to anger. And he's being patient. 
and giving us an opportunity to get our act together on our own. But don't take advantage of that and think, oh, God doesn't see, God doesn't care. I'm getting away with it. I'm going to do more. We can't, if we think that way, now we're deceived. Now we're messed up. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Do we deserve mercy? No. But if we turn from that thing that's, that's messing us up, God will show mercy. If we confess our sins, then God will extend mercy to us. God will turn whatever wrong we did into something good. God is the only one that can take our mess and make something good out of it when we turn it over to him. He's the only one that can do that, church. Let me read to you what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It says this, Most importantly... I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He's being patient. He's waiting it out. Giving us an opportunity to get things right. Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 through 16. Let me read this section of scripture. It says this. He, then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Let me read that last line again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. This is a really important section of scripture. Let me explain to you what's going on here. God is speaking to Abram, who later became Abraham, who was the, the father of the nation of Israel. And he's telling Abram, he's saying, look, there's going to be a time where your people, the people of God, are going to be in bondage for 400 years in the land, which we now know as Egypt. At that time, they didn't know, or Abraham didn't know what, what country was going to have them in bondage for 400 years, and then they're going to come back over here. But it's going to take 400 years for that to happen. And then he says this. The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God was going to send the nation of Israel into the land of Canaan. 
to take over that land and to destroy the people of that land. But the Bible is saying or telling us here, it's saying, I'm giving the Canaanites 400 years to repent. I'm going to send people their way. I'm going to communicate to them that I am God. I'm going to let them know that judgment is coming if they don't get their act together. I'm going to give them 400 years to get their act together. If they don't repent in those 400 years, I'm going to take them out. And I'm going to use Israel to take them out. Are you guys getting this picture? Okay. Sadly, they didn't repent. They kept on with their wickedness. Later on, Israel went in there and took them all out. Now, compare that to Nineveh. Remember the story of Nineveh in the book of Jonah? They were a wicked nation. They were a wicked people. And God sent Jonah into Nineveh to warn them. But what did the Ninevites do? Who knows what the Ninevites did? How many Bible scholars do we have here? They repented. They asked God to forgive them. They fasted, and they poured ashes on themselves, and they cried out to God for mercy. And you know what? God forgave them, and God spared them. How many of you are glad that our God is slow to anger, and he gives us an opportunity to get right, not only as individual people, but as a nation. He's saying to the United States of America right now, hey, America, I see what's going on. I see the abortions. I see the lesbian community, the LGBT community. I see the same-sex marriage. I see the pornography. I see the, the sex trafficking. I see all the corruption. I see all the madness and the chaos. I see all the rebellion and how you don't want to, how you're rejecting God. I see all of that, but I'm giving you time. I'm giving you time to get your act together and to repent as a nation. Now, when God closes the door, no one knows. But in the meantime, how many of you are glad that God is slow to anger? Can you say amen? And that he gives us time. He gives us time to get our act together and to repent. Let me read it again. Same verses, same section of scripture. In Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 through 16, New Living Translation, it says this. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. That's Egypt. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. For the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destructions. It's just like saying the sins of America do not yet warrant its destruction. But if we don't repent, if we don't take seriously what God is trying to communicate with us, there will be a time where God finally says that's it. The same thing when we receive communion. 
It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 26 through 31, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And then it says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And then it says in verse 28, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30, for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Verse 31 is key. For if we would judge ourselves, if we would just put ourselves in check, if we would self-correct, we would not be judged. In other words, it would not require God to intervene. We would repent we would be forgiven, we move forward, and everything's cool. Everything's cool with God because we listen to the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, we are also warned by our God that if we don't eventually correct our behavior, God will step in. Did you hear what I just said? God will step in. God will intervene. This is the second way in which our God corrects us. If we choose to ignore his mercy and patience with us, he will step in and discipline us or spank us for our good. So that we will not perish with the world, he disciplines us because he loves us. Sadly, when God does step in to correct us, it is not pretty and it is usually painful. We don't want to push God that far in our lives individually. If we self-correct, it won't be necessary. But if we don't self-correct, if we don't repent, it forces the hand of God because he's our heavenly father. We're his children. We're acting up. And what does the father do with his child when he's acting up? He gives him a little spanking. And if he's Pastor Jerry dealing with little Jamie, he takes off his belt and threatens little Jamie and says, you better straighten up, Jamie. And she did. And it says this, but when in verse 31, for we, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. See, if God doesn't step in and stop our own madness, we're going to be condemned with the world. We're going to fall right into sin like the world is into sin. Are you guys following what I'm saying? He's got to put a stop to that madness in our own lives. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 11. Let me just read this to you. It says this. As for us, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us. So then, let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way and of the sin which holds on to us so tightly, and let us run with determination the race that lies before us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Ooh, I like that. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross, and he is now seated at the right hand of God's throne. Think of what he went through, how he put up with so much hatred from sinners. So do not let yourselves become discouraged and give up. For in your struggle against sin, you have not yet had to resist to the point of being killed. Have you forgotten the encouraging words which God speaks to you as his children? My child, pay attention when the Lord corrects you, and do not be discouraged when he rebukes you. Verse 6, because the Lord corrects everyone he loves, 
and punishes everyone he accepts as his child. Endure what you suffer as being a father's punishment. Your suffering shows that God is treating you as his children. Was there ever a child who was not punished by his father? If you are not punished as as all his children are, it means you are not real children but bastards. In the case of our human fathers, they punished us and we respected them. How much more then should we submit to our spiritual father and live? Our human fathers punished us for a short time as it seemed right to them. But God does it for our own good so that we may share his holiness. When we are punished, it seems to us at the, at the time something to make us sad, not glad. Later, however, those who have been disciplined by such punishment reap the peaceful reward for a righteous life. Now, every time I read this section of scripture, I think about our brother Mel Wilson. For those of you that uh, attended our men's Bible study when Mel and Roy would lead it, Mal would always share a story with us often how when he would be acting up as a little boy, I can't remember, guys, maybe you can remember if it was his mother or his grandmother, but it was his grandmother. Okay, so his grandmother would get a hold of Mal, okay, and she would take out either, uh, uh, what do you call those things from a branch? A switch? Yeah, a switch. Okay, man, those things hurt. Ooh, man, those things hurt. And my mom hit me with one of those, one of those. That, it, it stung like crazy. Anyways, or, or a belt or her hand, whatever she used, okay? And she would start swatting him because he was acting up to get him straightened up. And she, and, and he would say to us that his, his grandmother would say, Mel, M Melvin, I'm doing this because I love you. Quack! I'm doing this because I love you. Quack! And Mel would say that he responded, Grandma, Grandma, please don't love me so much. Please don't love me so much. Ease up on the love, Grandma. But you know what? It helped Mel. It straightened him out. And now he's running for mayor of Los Angeles. How about that? Hallelujah. All thanks to his grandmother giving him a whipping once in a while when he would act up. But you know what the, the reality is? If Mel would have simply done what was right in the first place, if he would have listened to grandma in the first place, it wouldn't have been necessary for grandma to put a whipping on him. But because Malvin was acting up and giving her a hard time, she had to give him a whipping, and it worked. It straightened him out, and he became a good father, a good husband, a good business, a successful businessman, and now he's earned the respect of the community, and now he's running for mayor. You know why? Because of the love of his grandmother. You and I, you and I are going to become productive men and women of God, mature women of God. Why? Because God loves us. He loves us enough to correct us. He loves us enough to spank us. If we, if we don't correct ourselves, if we're not mature enough to correct ourselves, he loves us enough to give us a little spanking, to get us back on the right track. Why? Because he has a plan, and he has a purpose, and he has a destiny, and he's going to make sure that we get there, even if he has to have force his hand on our lives. Does everyone get what I'm saying? Can you say amen? So two ways that God disciplines and keeps us in check. Number one, his love, his patience, and he waits for us to repent on our own. And if we don't respond, then he forces his hand on us and he begins to rebuke, or he begins to chastise or correct or, or, or in some way discipline us. And if that doesn't work, then sadly, it just leads to destruction, our own destruction, because now we're not listening to God. I'm going to just read one more scripture and then we're going to close. Okay. 
It says this in the book of Revelation chapter 16, verse 8. Revelation chapter 16, verse 8. I know that I'm skipping. Uh, Gina, let's see if you can get it, okay? It says this. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed God, the God of heaven, because of their pains and their sores, and did not repent of their deeds. That's a very, very sad testimony of how all this is going to go down. God was disciplining them, correcting them. Pouring out his judgment on them. And all they had to do, church, all they had to do was humble themselves and say, God, forgive me. I see your wrath. I feel your wrath. I'm experiencing your wrath. Please forgive me, Lord, for rebelling against you. That's all they had to do. But instead, they became even harder against God. Cursing and blaspheming God. And it ended up with their destruction. Let's not push God that far, church. We don't have to. God is merciful, and he is kind, and he is there for us. Can you say amen? Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we bring this section of scripture to a close, we pray that you will help us, Lord God, to heed the warnings and the examples that you give us, Lord God, in this text, that we, Lord God, would recognize and understand your love, your sincere love for us as a father. As a father, you love us, you're, you care about us, you want us, Lord God, to, to live a life that is productive and that is good and that is a blessing, and you want to bless us, and you want good for us, and you want to honor us, Lord. And I pray that we would respond appropriately, Lord God. Even when you have to spank us, that we would respond appropriately and understand that you do it because you love us. Just like Mel's grandmother she loved Mel. And because of her love, Lord, he got his life right. And I thank you for that. If you're here tonight and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this evening, lift up your hand and we will pray. If you're here or watching online, And you just want prayer for your life, that God will help you. Just lift up your hand right now. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to lift up my own hand, Lord. I want to honor you more, Father, with my life. I want to submit to you even more, Lord. I want your blessing on my life. I don't want to give you a hard time. I want you to be proud of me as your son, Lord God. I thank you. I recognize and I understand that you are good. You have been good. You are good. And you desire good for all of us. And we recognize that. We see that. We acknowledge that. We appreciate that, Lord. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great evening. Again, if any of you need any personal ministry, you feel free to come on up. We will pray with you here tonight and ask God to help you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Is that Cheyenne?
Is that Cheyenne? That is Cheyenne. 